There is much to be thankful for. It's an interesting season when we come to Thanksgiving because there is so much to be thankful for. For instance, I think I'm looking at George Ball right now. Am I right? Well, I'll be. Welcome back, George and Colleen. It's so great to see you both. It is so, there is so much for us to be thankful for. And yet we encounter things in our lives that we're not grateful for. I'm going to invite you to consider the things that we hold in our hearts with gratitude and the things we wish we never had to hold. As we listen anew to the scripture passage that no doubt we have heard time and time before if we have spent any time in the church. This is Jesus' words to the disciples as he is sitting around that table with them right before he was betrayed. Words that he uses to bless that table. Words that we still use today. It says in Matthew 26, verse 26, While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me as we pray. May our hearts be open to your word. May we be able to articulate our gratitude in a way that is true. May we be the kind of people who give others something to be thankful for. And may we live our lives as an expression of gratitude for the gift of life you have given us and continue to give. Continue to fill to the fullest extent. So we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. It was an attempted turkey hostage situation. As we were seated around the table, my father poised to carve the beautiful turkey that was just presented to the room. A newcomer to our Thanksgiving traditions, piped up. Shouldn't we all say something that we're grateful for before we eat? There was silence. My father's eyes looked up from that golden bird, carving knife in hand to silently check in with my mother, whose eyes were wide and gave a nearly imperceptible shrug of her shoulders. I think that would work fine as dinner conversation. My dad responded as he quickly lowered his eyes so that he could make that first slice. And there was a slight exhale of relief from the majority of us around the table, myself included, as we all picked up the side dish that was closest to us and began to pass them to the right. It's not part of our tradition to say what we are grateful for ahead of Thanksgiving, not before we eat anyway. 
Recent research finds that we're not alone. It turns out that three in five Americans would rather do anything other than think about gratitude on Thanksgiving Day. They would rather watch football, read a book, or play with a pet. Those are the top three. 12% of Americans say that they would rather spend time on their smartphones than have any kind of meaningful conversation with their family at all. And no, it was not just the teenagers. One of the causes of our gratitude reluctance might be because 71% of Americans report that their feelings of stress that persist throughout the holiday season begin on Thanksgiving. But author and religious sociologist Diana Butler Bass is more inclined to believe that we are resistant to reflect on our gratitude on Thanksgiving Day. Because gratitude cannot be demanded or coerced. According to Butler Bass, there are two definitions or two expressions of gratitude. The first one is a feeling. It's what happens when we're on our evening walk and we encounter an unexpectedly beautiful sunset. Or when we receive an unexpected but meaningful gift. The second expression of gratitude is an ethical choice that we make. Like when we receive a bonus at work and we feel compelled to make an extra donation to our favorite charity. Or when we have more than enough food at our table or in our pantry and we decide to invite someone over to give that food away. In her book titled Grateful... Diana Butler Bass talks about how these experiences of gratitude, both of them, are important. We cannot always choose to feel grateful all the time, and we cannot choose to be altruistic all of the time. We need to experience both at different and often alternating times in order to be able to embody the fullest experience of gratitude in our lives in order to make gratitude a regular fixture in our lives. But Butler Bass also reflects on what she calls the gratitude gap. That's the growing distance between our personal feelings of gratitude and our public displays of gratitude. She references the state of our society as evidence for this gap. For example, the popularity of gratitude journals and mantras and practices has never been higher in the course of history than it is today. But at that same time, a 2019 health poll showed that 42% of people said that over the last year they were angrier more often than they had been in the past. And 84% of people believe that Americans are angrier today than they were a generation ago. Another poll found that 36% of people felt serious feelings of loneliness, feeling lonely either frequently or nearly all of the time. That includes 61% of people aged 18 to 25. That's in addition to over half of mothers with young children. 
43% of young adults reported increases in loneliness since the start of the pandemic, with about half of those adults saying that no one in the past few weeks had taken more than just a few minutes to ask how they were doing in a way that made them feel like that person genuinely cared. Statistics show us that society is rapidly feeling more isolated, more angry, more depressed. It's not showing that our society is feeling more grateful. Butler Bass thinks that this gratitude gap might be due in part to misconceptions that we hold about what gratitude actually is. Rather than allowing gratitude to function as a feeling and as a choice, Butler Bass says that we have started to look at gratitude as a kind of secular prosperity gospel. This idea that so long as we display gratitude for everything, then our lives will somehow be blessed with things that are actually worthy of being grateful for. For instance, we might fear that if we don't find a way to express gratitude when we lose our job, or when we have a hard diagnosis, or when we experience strain in a purposeful, meaningful relationship in our lives, then somehow we're not going to be blessed down the line with a better job or with steady recovery from that diagnosis or with a new friendship that is life-giving. We can find ourselves at times working gratitude like a cycle of duty and demand. We must be grateful. So we say the right thing, we go through the motions, all out of the hope that we can fake it till we make it. But can we really fake being grateful? Research would say no. We know enough now about how gratitude affects our holistic health to know that true gratitude translates into really tangible outcomes. Multiple studies have found that gratitude literally changes our brain's chemistry. Gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. It helps people experience and feel more positive emotions. It helps us to relish good experiences. It improves our physical health. It helps us to deal with adversity and it assists us in building strong relationships. With all of the positive effects of gratitude, it's easy to see how many in our society have come to think of it as a kind of magic pill, as that secular prosperity gospel. But not all things are worthy of being grateful for. Cancer is not worthy of our gratitude. Death of a loved one is not worth our gratitude. Loss and shame and hurt, they're not worth our gratitude either. As much as we want gratitude to be the magic pill for improving our lives, demanding a grateful response either from ourselves or from other people in terrible situations often only does harm 
rather than doing good. And trying to coerce gratitude out of ourselves often only commodifies it, makes it a transactional effort, when by its very nature, gratitude cannot be transactional. It's just simply responsive. That's because gratitude is the result of a gift. When Jesus sat around that table with his friends, when he was telling them about this gift that he was giving them in this moment, he didn't ask them to take turns in telling him what they were grateful for about his leadership or what amazing things they had learned in their time together. When Jesus had broken that bread, he didn't distribute it to people to, by, by how grateful or less grateful they were for either him or his ministry, but he gave that bread to the person who had immediate plans to betray him, just in the same way that he gave it to the person who was going to become the rock of his church. When Jesus poured the cup, his friends didn't have any true understanding at all about what Jesus was really given them. Not just wine, but his life. Not just companionship on earth, but companionship in heaven. And yet, it didn't stop him from giving, and it didn't stop the disciples from being grateful. We know that they were grateful, not because they said it in that very moment, not because they felt coerced to tell anyone or to re require that anyone else say that they were grateful too, but because their public life showed their gratitude as they carried on and expanded the ministry that Jesus had begun. They carried that on, that life of gratitude until their own deaths, and we are the ones who carry on that legacy now. So, it makes me wonder, how can we, San Marino Community Church, escape the gratitude gap? How can we experience and embody that kind of gratitude that Jesus and his disciples displayed that first day around the table? How can we be people who match the personal feelings of gratitude that we experience with our public lives and the actions we take for those who are closest to, the, to us and for society at large. Fortunately, I don't have to provide an answer to that because Diana Butler-Bass has an idea. She suggests a very simple change. Often, we will ask people, what are you grateful for? It's a good and well-intended question. But sometimes we have to admit we're not grateful for anything. Sometimes everything is going wrong. When we tend to talk about what we are grateful for, it lends us to this tendency to commodify gratitude, to make us grateful for a thing, for an event, for a moment. And so Butler Bass suggests that maybe in order to close that gratitude gap, we can start by changing our prepositions. Maybe we're not grateful for anything. 
But is there anything that we have been grateful through? Is there anything that we have been grateful in? Is there anyone that we are grateful to? Or something that we have been grateful among? For instance, I am not grateful for this pandemic that happened this last year, not one bit. But I am grateful that I was able to live through it with my husband and children and come to love them more rather than less. I am not grateful that I have lost friends and loved ones to death this year, not for a second. But I am grateful for the friends who have stood by me in my times of grief. When we go around our Thanksgiving tables this year, if it's a tradition that we have to share what we are grateful for, then perhaps we can try and change our prepositions as an effort of expressing a more holistic understanding of what gratitude is, recognizing that it is a response to a gift. It cannot be coerced. It cannot be demanded. It cannot be commodified. This year, I urge us to avoid putting our loved ones in that turkey hostage situation and to dedicate this day of thankfulness to all that we truly are grateful for, recognizing that it's more than what we're grateful for. It's everything that we have been given. Amen.